Hello, everybody. <clears throat> Welcome back to the podcast. This is Nico Misla. Um, I am, for those of you who don't know me, a nurse practitioner in the uh, greater Cincinnati, Ohio area, and uh, the proud host of the Nine for Nico podcast. Um, <clears throat> this podcast essentially is going to be about all things health and wellness, but it's going to go further than that, I think. I really like to talk about a variety of issues. Um, I'm definitely planning on having some friends and colleagues on here. Um, and I really, really just appreciate being able to have these long form conversations. I think they're so impeccably helpful in allowing me to think through thoughts and ideas that I have and listen to other people have amazing thoughts and ideas of their own and, and how they kind of marry each other and, uh, or, or maybe contrast each other. It is so impactful for me. I've learned an unbelievable amount of knowledge, uh, just through listening to a variety of different podcasts, uh, myself. And I thought, what the heck, we all have something amazing to share. Why not get out there, uh, myself and share it? So this is primarily going to be that place. And I really hope it brings some value to your lives. Uh, today I wanted to talk specifically about um, depression. We kind of focused on anxiety uh, over the last podcast. If you haven't listened to that one, um, it's the very first episode um, where we really kind of go into uh, everything about the podcast and the name behind it, uh, Nine for Nico. And then we really kind of take a deep dive into anxiety and what does it mean. So I wanted to do something really similar today with depression um, and really explore this topic in a way that I hope is is meaningful and and maybe even kind of um, not hard, but like I think some people get triggered a little bit when they hear me talk about certain different aspects of mental health because it's not quite the let's just call it the conventional or mainstream uh, ideas surrounding mental health. So um, and and I'm not saying this is my opinion either. Some of it is my opinion. Uh, and especially in a professional opinion, but a lot of this is backed by research um, that you could find easily by just Googling it. Um, you know, and that's something maybe hopefully someday I can kind of help provide a little bit more as I get used to this format. But um, so depression, it is by far uh, outside of anxiety, the most common uh, issue I see in my uh, private practice at Rivertown Wellness. Um, it is something that is just exploding um, in the United States in particular, but across the globe nonetheless. Um, and it is profoundly interesting to me. Um, I, I, I find it to be probably my, if I had to pick a favorite like mental health issue, depression is like one of my favorites um, because I just find it so fascinating and so interesting. So let's kind of break apart in, in a in a really easy way, what depression is according to like the mainstream conventional uh, model. So depression is a series of symptoms that any one of us can have, relatively speaking, at any age, um, which compromises uh, our ability to function in our day-to-day -day life. Most of us have a really good understanding of what depression looks like. So obviously the Big things are like a lack of joy, a lack of happiness, a lack of motivation, um, an inability to just experience joy at all. Um, some people sleep too much or they don't sleep enough. 
Um, so there, there's a variety of different things that kind of come along with this. And what uh, most conventional uh, practitioners and, and uh, the mainstream uh, you know, kind of outlets of, of scientific media would suggest is that uh, depression is caused by uh, neurotransmitter imbalance, right? And probably all of us have heard of the word neurotransmitter, but don't really quite grasp what it is. Um, in layman's terms, they are little tiny, you know, molecules that kind of zoom around our brain uh, there's dopamine, there's serotonin, there's norepinephrine, and uh, about, I think, I can't remember what the count is now. I think there's about 300 different types of neurotransmitters and different shapes and sizes, but those are maybe some of the more popular ones. So um, in particular, what depression uh, kind of looks at is serotonin. So serotonin is, is, the, is the neurotransmitter that they kind of hyper-focused on. Uh, and this was based on, um, I think one or two studies in particular done, gosh, maybe like, gosh, at this point, like 40 or 50 years ago now. Um, and we recognize that, um, you know, certain, uh, you know, mice and, and rat studies showed that, um, mice and rats and then, and then on into humans who were deficient in serotonin ended up having a far likely, far more like, were far more likely, sorry, to be um, diagnosed with major depressive disorder and, and or show uh, depression-like symptoms. So um, again, I'm giving you like a really, 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 really like simple overview of this. Um, we could really dive into it, but I want to kind of keep it brief. So, so in a nutshell, um, what modern medicine termed this or modern science at the very least was called the monoamine theory. Or, or the neurotransmitter theory. So again, the reason it's still a theory is that we have not been able to prove uh, time and time again, rigorously, that serotonin, um, at least serotonin levels, meaning deficient or, or, or super physiological or anything like that, have any significant impact on our behavior in terms of depression. So unfortunately, what this means is that um, medicine kind of zoned in on this one thing being serotonin and threw all its money at it. Uh, we created drugs, which are antidepressants or SSRI, serotonin, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, which um, you know essentially artificially raise our level of serotonin between our um, brain's synapses in our in our in between our brain. And the, the idea, of course, being that, well, for low in serotonin, we just need more of it to feel happy. So by increasing serotonin, that'll make us feel better. That'll get rid of depression symptoms. Um, what we have known now for at least 30 years is that um, this theory doesn't really hold much water anymore. Um, we recognize absolutely that serotonin as a neurotransmitter is certainly um, a part of this whole process of, of mood and behavior and depression, but is by no means the, the single thing that uh, fixes or cures depression, right? If it did, we would see rates of depression radically declining, or at least at, at the very least kind of staying stagnant and plateauing. 
Um, but what we've unfortunately seen is depression exponentially increasing throughout our society, even though we have 10 times the amount of medications that we had back in the early 90s, maybe even late 80s. So, um, you know, basically this theory um, is is at this point, in my opinion, it's kind of debunked. I mean, it's just, it just isn't what it was meant to be. And it wasn't what everybody thought it was. Um, but unfortunately, I think most of modern medicine, especially psychiatry, um, still plays into this model um, that it is a serotonin problem. And I know we have different types of medications called SNRIs, which kind of add in norepinephrine and stuff like that. So I recognize that there's been some attempt to realize that there's far more to this, but nonetheless, it's still playing off of the same model. And we can argue day in and day out that this is, you know, a conspiracy or there's financial reasonings behind it. And it's because big pharma is trying to make all this money off of these medications. And that's why science hasn't really gotten a chance to catch up. Um, and, and I think Guys, honestly, all this stuff is true to some degree. Um, you know, I, I, I'm absolutely in the of the opinion that that those things do occur and, and clearly are a problem. But um, nonetheless, I, I think we could still grow f- from here. I don't think we need to like wallow in this despair um, because science, fortunately, still seems to trudge on, and um, and there's some been just some incredible. Um, uh, physicians and researchers and nurse practitioners alike working in the uh, field of integrative medicine and functional medicine to help bring to light uh, that depression is much more of a syndrome. It is a it is a disease that is, you know, it's cumulative, essentially. There are multiple things, just like when we were talking about anxiety in the last episode, um, rarely is anxiety this like really singular thing occurring in our brain. Um, a lot of it is occurring outside of our our own physiology and, and, and impacting us in a variety of different ways. So depression, one of the huge things that we need to recognize is that, again, serotonin is a very certain but small component. Um, why depression doesn't seem to get better necessarily or significantly better, let's say at the very least from these SSRIs or antidepressant medications, is because depression is our body's physiological response to something occurring, like the root cause of the problem, right? So let me break this down a little bit more. So, um, you know, one of the, a really good way to maybe think about this is that if you have a paper cut, right? And, and it's bleeding. The blood is a symptom of the cut. Does that make sense? Like it's a signal. It's our body's sign of saying, Hey, I'm bleeding. I must have a wound somewhere. Let me identify where that wound is. Let me put some pressure on it. Maybe put a bandaid over it, allow that blood to kind of clot off, allow the wound to heal and bada bing, bada boom, we're all good, right? A few days later, a week later, that cut's completely healed up and we're good to go. We identified the root problem, the root, the root problem to that, that bleeding, right? Um, you know, we could try a variety of different things to address the blood, right? We could, we could, you know, hold it over 
an ice cube. We could put it over fire. We could kind of peel that cut open and see if we can get more of that blood out. Maybe that's the problem is that there's too much blood in the finger, right? These are all like, you know, odd sounding concepts to us because we know whenever we have a cut, we need to, you know, put some pressure on it, bandage it up and it'll heal. But if we didn't know exactly where that blood was coming from, we would probably try all sorts of different things in order to get it to stop bleeding. So I think depression and most of mental health works really similarly to that effect, right? It's not like we just woke up one day and our serotonin, our, our brain just decided to say, hey, I make 10 times less serotonin than the next person. I'm now depressed. I rarely have ever found that, right? I've never met a person who just like from the get-go, they were just depressed, right? It's usually something triggered that. There's a root to that depression. Um, it could be as simple as, you know, my family, beloved family dog passed away and it sent me into a state of depression for quite some time. Um, it could be as, as complex as I have celiac disease and, you know, growing up, I ate all kinds of different things with gluten and lactose and uh, it bothered my stomach a little bit and it just kept going and going and going until finally I hit, you know, 15 or 20 years old and um, my body just started to fail. I wasn't getting any nutrients in um, because I wasn't getting any nutrients in. I wasn't able to produce things like neurotransmitters, like serotonin, like dopamine, like norepinephrine. I wasn't getting enough B vitamins, magnesium, the list goes on and on and on, right? And now all of a sudden, I'm starting to have symptoms. I'm starting to have symptoms of fatigue, uh, low mood, um, maybe tearful, sleepy, lethargic, right? These are symptoms of celiac disease, right? Uh, including, of course, like, you know, maybe your stomach hurts when you eat certain foods or maybe you feel nauseous or maybe you have horrible, uh, you know, diarrhea and constipation, whatever. But, but we have to recognize that um, many, many things can put us into a state like depression, right? Even like the flu, right? I mean, if you took away a lot of like the classic cold symptoms like fatigue, low energy, decreased mood, you don't really want to be around people when you have the flu. You just want to kind of cuddle up in bed and, and die on the inside, right? For whatever, five days. So, um, you know, our body has a natural tendency to shut down when we are overworked, overstressed, um, over anything, right? Our body exists in a state of constant homeostasis, right? It doesn't want to be too much of one thing and too little of another, right? It doesn't want to be overworked. It also doesn't want to be completely useless and lying on the couch all day long. It has to have this perfect balance. So depression in a way, it's almost like our body going into hibernation, right? And we see this. It's really fascinating. Um, bears, I'm going to talk about bears now. Bears that go into hibernation, um, their serotonin levels increase dramatically uh, during the winter months. And the reason being is that serotonin is a is kind of a stress. Um, it's a, it's like a stress hormone essentially. It's a stress neurotransmitter, right? What happens when our serotonin levels get high or higher than than kind of normal? Um, we increase our body mass, we lower our metabolic function, right? So we, what I'm saying is we gain weight and keep weight on because we're lowering our metabolic, um, function, 
right? So we don't lose weight really quickly. We keep weight on, which makes sense if you're a bear, right? And you got to wait all winter long until you have something to eat and you just sleep all day long. So it'll lower your heart rate, um, lower your respiratory rate. It'll get you into a, a basically a state of depression. And so we recognize this also. There are multiple studies showing that people with really high levels of serotonin also exhibit really severe symptoms of depression. So believe me when I say serotonin is not all it's cracked up to be. Um, and that's where these SSRI types of medications can be really dangerous. Um, there are a lot of studies uh, by some really profound researchers um, that show that when I take or someone takes a SSRI, um, they are actually hypothesizing, and I think this is a pretty profound theory um, to some degree, is that, that, that when we increase our level of serotonin, our body actually shifts into a state of homeostasis where it recognizes, whoa, 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 I don't want all that serotonin, right? So I'm going to put out maybe more um, serotonin receptor sites so that I'm not flooded constantly. And, and maybe that's why people feel better, you know, several weeks later, if they do feel better at all from these medications, it's kind of this delayed response, right? Um, and and this, is, this is really well researched. So um, we know at the end of the day that most SSRI medications, you know, relatively speaking, they're just barely outperforming placebo, uh, you know, in, in all kinds of different randomized control trials and groups. So what I'm, what I'm saying is that these medications, um, you know, they were intended for the purpose of increasing our levels of serotonin, and that does not seem to be the end-all be-all. Um, I'm not denying that some people certainly do feel better when they're on these medications. I think it's far fewer than than uh, many people think. I mean, I know just from observation, most of my patients who take these medications, if they do feel better, it's not it's not by a long shot. I mean, it's maybe twenty or thirty percent better. It maybe just helps them get through their day, um, but it's not the cure all, right? It's not it's not the answer. It's not the root cause. Okay, so what the heck is the root cause of depression? Well, it could be just about anything, okay? Um, it could be circumstantial. Um, it can be, you know, again, your dog dying, your spouse dying, a good friend passing away. That would be heartbreaking and depressing. It's a little more situational, right? But uh, maybe at the same time, your health is not so good, right? Maybe maybe you're struggling with uh, like a type 2 diabetes or pre-diabetes, right? And, and your metabolism is just slowing down and we just can't seem to get enough energy, Um you know, maybe we're dealing with something like celiac disease. Maybe it's low testosterone. That's a huge one for men. I can't tell you how many men come in uh, to see me, um, young or old, and they tell me they've been dealing with depression for eons, it feels like. And we do some blood work, and lo and behold, their testosterone is unbelievably low. Um, and that alone can be a huge indicator. I mean, if you look at symptoms of low testosterone for men or women, um, it is pretty much going to mirror uh, symptoms of major depressive disorder. Um, you know, and a lot of people will say, well, so what, you don't believe in major depressive disorder? <laughs> you don't think it's real? And I always think that's such a funny thing because I don't, I don't know what it, what it means to necessarily believe in major depressive disorder. Um, there are clearly people who suffer from this and, it, and it's no joke. And I don't take that lightly at all. That's, that's why I do what I do. Um, what I do think is that we're we're just not quite on the money yet. Um, I don't think we've got it all figured out. And I think 
the way I've been practicing and, and many other practitioners, uh, Dr. Robert Hedea out of the Cleveland Clinic um, is, is one of the few guys who I think is doing some really great work. We're, they're starting to recognize that, you know, there, there are a variety of different causes to depression. Um, you know, there are things like uh, chronic infections, um, uh, general gut dysbiosis, right? So you're, 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 you're gut microbiome, there's all kinds of deficiencies there, and it's not as diverse and robust as it could be. Um, remember, 90% of your serotonin is made in the gut. So if we're really so concerned about serotonin, we probably should start there anyways. So um, I have just had a remarkable amount of people come through my office um, complaining of depression, whether it's new or old, and um, get radically better. Um, you know, not just better for a few weeks, but better for years, right? That's the that's the goal is that we we address whatever that root causes. Is it testosterone? All right, how are we going to optimize that? Is it celiac disease? How do we diagnose that? How do we, uh, you know, kind of go down that path where we have to recognize which foods are deleterious to our health, which foods uh, help optimize our health? How do we avoid certain things? Um, and how do we deal with this this new thing? So, you know, when we when we actually get to the bottom of those things and and really start to recognize, you know, even externally again, you know, um, are you happy with your job? Are you happy with your relationship? Do they fulfill you? Do you have meaning and purpose in your life? Um, you know, good luck not feeling depressed if you don't have any meaning or purpose, any anything that's motivating you and driving you to continue existing, right? Um, and I think a lot of us don't recognize that we're stuck in these patterns um, where we are unhappy with our jobs or we are unhappy with our relationships um, or or maybe we're, we're just treating ourselves so poorly because we hate our jobs so much that we eat terribly and we don't sleep well enough because when we get home, all we want to do is stay up and play video games and watch some terrible TV show. And then it's, you know, by God, one o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning, and you're barely getting five hours of sleep and you got to go back to work the next day. Can you imagine actually like escaping depression with that kind of lifestyle? Um, I can't, you know, I, I, I certainly can't, I barely feel functional after a day of no sleep. So, um, these things just matter. They matter tremendously. And I think when we put all our eggs in one basket, uh, you know, that basket being, you know, this, this kind of, you know, neurotransmitter, serotonin, monoamine hypothesis, um, which we've done by the way, for, for decades now, and we have seen little to no return, um, from that at all. I, I think it's insanity to keep continuing down that path. What else can we see from the literature? Medicine takes a while to catch up. You know, not everything has to be this ridiculously rigorous, randomized control trial stuff. I mean, it's great. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I learn a lot from from that information, but um, I also learn a lot by doing a little bit of experimenting, giving things a try. You know, seeing what else moves the needle in the right direction, right? And again, safely and securely as I can. But but when we rely only on evidence-based medicine, we really limit ourselves and, and not just ourselves, our patients, right? We limit people um, to feeling the best that they possibly can. And, and I think that's doing them a disservice. And I think that's a lot of times causing way more harm than good, right?
Um, I mean, we know the evidence behind SSRIs. Um, you know, they have a, a laundry list of really bad side effects, uh, including suicidal ideation, especially for adolescents, um, you know, weight gain, sexual dysfunction, decreased libido, um, the list goes on and on. So in my opinion, you know, if someone comes to me with depression, the last thing I want to do is put them on a medication. The first thing I want to do is learn all about their life, start to finish. Um, you know, literally, how were you born? C-section, vaginally, right? That makes a huge difference. Did you get a good, healthy uh, microbiome coming out of the womb right away? Or did you end up in this sterile surgical place collecting whatever microbiome was just in the air or on the surfaces that you touched at that time? Um, did you Were you sick as a kid? Did you have a lot of ear infections? Did you have a lot of chronic strep throat? Um, what about diet? What do you eat? What do you, when do you, when do you eat, right? When do you, how much fluid do you get in? Do you sleep well? What time do you wake up? What time do you go to bed? How's your life? How's your wife? How's your everything, right? I learn all of those things and they matter so much. Um, and then we go and get some objective data, right? Um, so much um, of modern medicine and conventional medicine is tied up uh, and on the psychiatry side in subjective data, right? A patient comes in, they say, I don't feel good. What's wrong? I feel sad. I feel unmotivated. It's hard to get out of bed in the morning. And I say, oh, that's major depressive disorder. Here's your SSRI. See in a few weeks, you'll be on this for the rest of your life, right? What a terrible approach. We don't do that in medicine for anything else, right? If you come to me with with headaches, I'm going to look at your blood pressure. I'm going to, you know, if I have to do an MRI or a CAT scan of your head, I'm going to do that. Um, there's so many other things that I'm going to do first before I say, well, just take this aspirin and call me in a few weeks. Um, and in mental health, we just don't do that. We don't know how to. Um, we were never trained. So one of the ways we can do that is really simple, some blood work, right? How are your... Uh, you know, metabolic functionings, your your blood glucose, your, um, you know, your liver health, your kidney health. Um, how is your amino acid profile, right? How good is your digestion? Do you have celiac disease, right? All of these things, we can, we can get a really good picture of that just from some simple blood work. Um, and that gives us some objective data to then try to marry with that subjective data that I gathered and give me a really, just a much more clear picture of the complexity of the nature of my patient individually, right? Because nobody has depression the same way. They really don't. Um, no one is experiencing it quite the same um, because it's always a combination, uh, a cumulative effect of their of their lifestyle um, and their, their physiology, right? Those things do not exist separately, and I don't ever treat patients separately, right? Um, it is really, really important for us to get out of the mindset that all I do is treat someone's physiology and everybody else has to treat their psychology. No, I always treat the entirety of the patient. I am not a, a trained counselor. I'm not a therapist. I'm none of that, but I am a human being, um, and I do have a lot of experience, you know, kind of gaining history, uh, you know, creating this rapport between my patients um, and creating a relationship. And, um, you know, that's important that that matters to the picture of that patient and their health and wellness and how you're going to be able to really help them address that for years and years to come, right? So, um, 
you know, the, the, the treatments and therapies, maybe we'll get into that next episode. There, there's a lot of different things. And again, everybody's different. So it's never, ever the same. But I think there are some really great options out there um, that I've that I've learned to use and, and recognize as, as things that can benefit my patients in particular. So with that being said, guys, again, maybe we can just take a, a step back, right? And, and, and really look at the numbers, really look at the picture of depression and, and we see it's getting worse over time. It's definitely not getting better. Um, what therapies do we have out there? What works and what doesn't work? If something's not working, we got to be able to move on. Um, and we got to be able to um, use our critical thinking and use our creativity um, rather than just using, you know, algorithms and, 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 and you know, these stupid kind of <laughs> walkthrough procedural types of, of things to, to end up at a medication or, 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 or whatever it is that we're doing for mental health patients. Um, you know, being creative and being, um, you know, genuine and, and, and being able to create something really challenging is, is the best part of the job. Honestly, I mean, it's hard, but it is the best part of my job. I love every single patient that walks through the door. It's just another opportunity to learn and challenge myself. And believe me, I fail. You can ask a lot of my patients. Um, you know, we have, we hit speed bumps just like anybody else, but, um, you know, we're in it together and we really, really love what we're doing. So, um, guys, that's about up for my time. If you have any questions, shoot me a message. Um, I'm on Facebook under Nico Misla FNP. Um, you can hit me up. I've got some questions and stuff uploaded on Spotify. So, uh, please feel free to reach out to me however you like. Um, my practice, um, right now is with Rivertown Wellness, which is fantastic. I absolutely love being with these guys. Um, it's a really, really great crew. Um, so I have offices in Hyde Park and Westchester in the Cincinnati, Ohio area. And I also do telehealth. So um, really good stuff. So anyways, thank you guys so much for your time. Um, next uh, episode will be coming out hopefully maybe sometime later this week. And uh, we'll get down to it. Thanks so much, guys. Bye.